What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a Fright Fest 2014 special of It's the Britflix.com podcast. This is a Fright Fest 2014 special of It's the Britflix.com podcast. Welcome to another Britflix.com Fright Fest preview special. I'm Stuart Wright. And today I've got with me Till Kleinert. Hello, Till. Hello, nice to meet you. Have I got the pronunciation right on your name? Yeah, it was quite okay. In German, we would say Till Kleinert. Okay. So it's very flat. It's it's the German way to say it. But Till Kleinert is also quite nice. That's my Manchester accent, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the film we're talking about today? Yeah, the film is Der Samurai, which I have been the writer and director and also editor on. Um, yeah, which we'll be screening uh, on Sunday on Fredfest. Excellent, excellent. So give us a brief synopsis of what uh, The Samurai is about. Okay, well, The Samurai is a film uh, that takes place in a small village uh, in the East German countryside, uh, close to the Polish border, very dense forests, and it's about a, a small-town policeman living there who is sort of um, infatuated with, uh, with the rumor that a wolf is roaming uh, the forest around the village and who's sort of trying to uh, get a glimpse of the animal and uh, one night actually gets a glimpse of something else entirely which is a strange young man roaming the forest wearing a, a woman's dress and sporting a katana a samurai sword and this guy apparently is up for good and uh, trying to wreak havoc upon the unsuspecting town and the film taking place during one night is about uh our heroes yeah our heroes trials and tribulations uh trying to stop this guy from doing whatever he is planning to do okay That's sounds it. sounds interesting enough and if if 50 50 is equal parts scares to equal parts go what would be the the balance in the samurai that's really that's an interesting question because I think I mean there is some there is gore in the film. I'm not even sure if there's actual scares. Um so I think it would tend more towards the gore, like maybe 
thirty seventy. Okay. But uh, I don't. I don't want to raise false expectations, you know. So it's um, <laughs> well, but but let's keep it at that. Thirty okay. seventy. Okay, sounds about right. Now it's showing on Sunday, the twenty fourth of August, and mm -hmm. the three slots it's got for those people who are listening who've already bought their festival passes is in the Arrow video screen. It's on at eight thirty p.m. And in the Film 4 screen, it's on at 11 p.m. And in the Horror Channel screen, which is the one I'll get to see it at, it's in the it's on at 6.20 p.m. And that's at the View Cinema, Leicester Square, London. Um, right, well, let's talk about your film. Mm -hmm. um, now, it, it, it's hard from the brief synopsis to, 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 um, to picture an obvious tale from there. So what, what, what compelled you to write that story? I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. That's why you know there's always the danger of me not telling it right. Um, no, 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 no. What I mean, what I mean is, it sounds unusual. Not that it's it's not obvious. I don't mean that you said it wrong or I didn't understand. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand. I, 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 sh I should hope that it's sort of unusual. I mean, I, I, I didn't set out to make a, a like very original or very unusual film. But I think as it is, I, I think I can say that much. It's a quite um, sort of personal thing to me, the whole story. I guess it makes sense that it feels a bit like one of a kind or unique. Um, but I think you can you can trace back some sort of elements that are quite universal. Like there is a lot of fairy tale imagery going on and fairy tale motifs that sort of uh, go through the whole film. Um, also motifs from like German romanticism, dark Gothic romanticism, stories of E.T.A. Hoffman, something like that. Yeah. Uh, but you didn't even ask a question. I'm just starting to ramble on. Um, no, so please, where were you actually going with that? No, no. This is this is this is this is adding color to the uh, to the picture now for me. Mm -hmm. No, no. So what I'm saying is, so, so well, you've already started answering the question. But but so the main the main antagonist you described is a mm -hmm. man in a dress with a samurai sword. So yeah. what compels that idea? That's an, yeah. Well, if if only I knew. I mean, it's uh, th this is an image that pretty much came like ready-made into my mind. Yeah. It's like uh, when I was going on a train from the Baltic Sea back to Berlin, where I live. Yeah. Uh, you pass through all these villages uh, that are sort of huddled uh, down by the trail bed and uh, by the track bed, and they and they they look very smallish, like miniature towns almost. You know, huddled together as if, and it was at dusk, and they looked as if they were sort of huddling together to protect themselves, brace themselves against some sort of uh, conceived threat coming from the forest surrounding them. And uh, it was right there. It was like an, an like a picture in my mind, uh, an image of uh, those empty streets being roamed by by this guy in a dress with a sword. And I think you can trace it back to all sorts of comic books I've read, video games I've played. But uh, I think it's not as interesting to me to really to sort of trace back all the sort of influences that led there, hmm. but rather to ask myself question, okay, why is that particular guy there? What's he doing there? Who's he coming for? What's his agenda? And just going from that image to sort of start exploring like an archaeologist, so to speak, you know, hmm. and start digging and hopefully <laughs> finding out what it all means and building a story around it. So, from from a script point of view, was was the ending of your story clear from the minute you started writing it, or was that something that developed? Well, I mean, it, once once I knew that it is about the confrontation of this intruder with with a with a protagonist who is sort of representing law and order, yeah. it was clear that some sort of final confrontation was 
was looming at the end of the story, but uh, what the result of that confrontation would be and also what kind of shape that confrontation would take uh, was not that clear from the get-go. It was more of an exploration how how those two would get along yeah. to see where, where it would take them. And I think there are, I mean... Uh, I don't want to spoil too much, but um, there are. I think there are some some curious things happening between those two that might not necessarily happen uh, in a chase movie where you have a cop chasing a bad guy. Uh, so I think um, we end in a very uh, unique and peculiar way that describes pretty well the sort of bond or relationship that uh, exists or has been formed between those two guys. Um, but it wasn't clear from the get-go. It was okay. something that came. So you, I mean, from your point of view as a, as a scriptwriter. Are you someone that um, are you are you do you outline it? Do you are you burning the midnight oil? Are you up here in the morning? Do you do you start <laughs> well, on the script page and just see where it goes? I think I I'm mostly I tend to avoid writing for a very long time. Okay. Uh, because then at one point when I force myself to actually write, it all comes out pretty fast. If you know what I mean, because yeah. it has been. Uh, I have been pushing it around in my mind for a long time. And I, I usually start in prose, mm -hmm. like around prose text. Um, and I start at the beginning usually and just go through it. And if I feel like there's a roadblock, uh, I don't know how to get from one point to the next. I will skip some parts and go to a scene that I have very much uh, clear in my mind already mm -hmm. and fill in the gaps afterwards. But everything in sort of prose. So I have a prose document that at the start, maybe the first outline is like 15 pages long. And then it grows as I as I detail things, and and then at one point when it's like thirty pages or so, it it's it's quite good to go to the first draft of an actual screenplay, which is then basically like reformatting, inserting dialogue and stuff, which is uh, like more like an automatism at some point. So it's, like, so it's like you're adapting your own short story. In a way, in a way, yes, in a way, it is like that. And, and, and though, though I think when writing the prose, I being a filmmaker, I, I've never considered myself an author of like written text. So I think it's all, always very clear that it's supposed to. I mean, I think it's, it tends to be very visual and very much uh, like a blueprint already to being shot at some point. So, so it's it's definitely more like a treatment than it is. Yes, absolute yes. prose. So I so I think maybe 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 it's you know I, I don't I don't talk too much with other people about their process so I guess it's a very usual process because if I would start with a with a first draft of a screenplay I I think I would be <laughs> I wouldn't dare to write anything down I think, I think <laughs> sort of running prose of an of a treatment is a much easier way to to get a and what what were some of the um, what were some of those sort of roadblocks in the storytelling what was what was it difficult for you to resolve mm, I. I don't even. <laughs> I tend to forget, you know. Yeah. It has been. It has been like more than two years. Uh, this sort of uh, this 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 phase, this stage of the of the process, and so I think everything tends to feel pretty rosy in retrospect. You know, <laughs> I think I I think there must have been some of those roadblocks, but um, I mean, I think one thing that you can still sort of sense in the film, uh, which is still not not necessarily a problem, but that has always been a challenge to the film is that the protagonist who is the policeman isn't what you would call like the most proper policeman yeah. or the most appropriate guy for the job. And he has a, there's a sort of pass passive quality to him. Yeah. Like he's very reactive, which is, which is always difficult if you have him as a protagonist of a film, because we are sort of, um, um, also through those sorts of screenwriting teaching 
books, uh, you are sort of, um, we're sort of uh, used to the notion of, of, of the hero always being very proactive, very in charge, you know. So it's, it's, it's quite a challenge to, to create a character that is very soft and very passive and very, very indecisive. Or do you say that? Indecisive? Is that a yeah, word? Yeah, 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 word? Indecisive. Yeah. Indecisive. So that's the pronunciation. Indecisive. Uh, and make him work as someone uh, who is your eyes and ears, because the whole film is told from his perspective, yeah. for the audience, and also someone you actually care for. So that was difficult in the in the writing stage, and also and it and it went through all the stages, also with the actor, of course, because an actor, uh, it's easier for an actor to have a sort of a, a very straight agenda that he can follow. Yeah. As if he is sort of, if there is a confusion, which is very inherent in the character, uh, it's it, it it can become hard also for the actor. And yeah, that. So I think that was. Although I don't have any idea anymore if I can name any specific like solutions we had to those. No, 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 that, I think I think that's a I think that's an age old problem for horror screenwriters. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yes, exa exactly because often in horror, especially in horror, you 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 actually what you want to have is you want to have. Uh, like a substitute for the audience who can sort of be their eyes and ears and who can be basically that scared kid that yeah, they yeah, are yeah. supposed we're, to be. You know? It's but a very a scared, voyeuristic. But, um, a, but a scared kid is not necessarily a, a good protagonist in the in the classical sense, you know. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, and and sort of uh, balancing that out that was that was a bit of a challenge. Yeah. So when when you're moving forward with the script that you're looking to shoot. Mm -hmm. What what aspects of the script? I mean, I'm thinking more in terms of sort of a combination, I guess, of the financial cost of shooting a scene and the technical mm -hmm. aspects mm -hmm. of shooting a scene. Was there anything in there where you had to sort of tone it down, rewrite it, and that kind of thing as part of the pre-production phase? No, I I mean I tend to write with can can we actually do this in mind? Uh, so it's it's very often even during writing I will I will not be be, be be able to rest until I have seen, for example, a particular location, so oh. that I know, okay, this actually exists. You know, like if I write down a certain uh, setup of like houses being in a certain kind of order, or or you know, uh, suggesting a certain kind of uh, image, I, I I I'd rather know that this exists somewhere that we don't have to build like huge sets <laughs> before I keep I keep going on writing about it. You know, so I I usually double check during the screenwriting process, uh, like traveling, doing location scouting tours and stuff like that, and also trying to figure out if stuff can actually be done by, for example, talking to makeup artists, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think in the end there was nothing in there that that was that had to be cut because it wasn't... There was one thing we have, were talking about this pretty early on in the film. There's a train going through, like which is which is like, okay, so there's a, there's a track and... and and the cop is chasing chasing the the the, the antagonist uh, the samurai yeah. and 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 the samurai jumps over the tracks right before a train goes through so that that they are separated which is for because we are a very low budget film very very low budget film mm. so this is a huge thing actually because it's it's not not necessarily something you want to do like digitally or something and it can be dangerous as well and you so so that was something where we felt it's not entirely necessary for the whole plot so maybe we could cut it hmm. even though i always like the sort of uh force like physical force that comes into the film all of a sudden with yeah. with, a, with an actual train going through the picture um and so we managed to do it so even that uh we somehow got 
got got to do so so no no i think we we were able to make everything like with the effects it's funny because with the gore effects i think they have a very i think they are very nice okay but maybe they are not necessarily like that convincing i think they have a quite surreal grotesque quality to them yeah. which again makes it a bit easier to pull it off with a low budget for example so I'm not saying we're not going for laughs or for like a cheap trashy feeling with them, hmm. but I think they have a sort of heightened <laughs> fairy taleish quality to them uh, that, that that pretty much works in our favor when actually trying to to do it practically. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, just I mean, I'm 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 a writer myself, but I'm not a director. Mm -hmm. um, so and I and, and and obviously things like you're talking about would for me would come back as notes, but obviously this is you wrestling with it in your head. You sort of. Mm -hmm. The writer imagining one thing, and then the director shooting what's been imagined. Yes. How, how do you balance that kind of the practicalities of what can be shot with your imagination as a writer? Mm, yeah, well, I I don't feel like there's a censor. You know, it's it's very much uh, it's to to me when when I finish the screenplay, when I finish the first draft or the second draft, basically what I've written down is something I feel uh, safe in doing. It's it's not you know it's not like I'm looking at it and thinking oh my god what have I done how I'm going to pull that off it's you know it's so in the within the process I think uh, I I sort of uh, I mean then it takes some uh, some time convincing maybe the other departments that it's actually manageable you know that's another thing like for okay. example there's a final shot or semi final shot in a film that is also uh, like a like a special effect like yeah. a, you could say a special makeup effect that is very uh, it has been described as very symbolical and very like uh, extravagant, uh, and and it is, I think. And and the, our special effects guy, who is not a proper special effects guy to begin with, mm. was very concerned that this might not be working. But but I was I was very sure that it would. Just you know, sometimes you just have to decide uh, that this will work, and then <laughs> you just have to sort of <laughs> convince everybody else that they can do it. And I think it worked. So Excellent. no, I, I I don't feel like there's has been that much of a of a struggle within me to balance those those out the like the the doability of stuff and my imagination. So is this this going to be your? Are you coming? Are you going to be attending Fright Fest this year? With yes, friends? yes, I will be there. I How will exciting. be there for the whole time. Actually, I, is this I your first Fright Fest? Yes. It is brilliant. Well, um, I don't know what, what how much you're anticipating it, but it seems that the uh, the Fright Fest audience has got as much fame now as the uh, films that get shown there. Okay, so how how is the Fright Fest audience? What, well, what... Uh, well they're, they're just they're a very they're a very knowing crowd. They're mm -hmm. very supportive of their genre films. Um, mm -hmm. Last year, a British critic called uh, Mark Commode. I don't know if you know that name. Yes, I, I know. I, he's he's a legend. Yeah. Well, he he attended um, the latest in the in the kind of when the there was a latest uh, version of the Chucky franchise, mm -hmm. and he came to watch that as part of you know for so he could review it. And mm. his experience of sitting watching that with a Fright Fest audience was to comment in the, I think it was in the papers or on the radio. That as well, I don't know if you have this in Germany, but in Britain we have um, sort of mothers and baby screenings or pensioners screenings, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And he, he wanted to introduce a new horror fan only screenings. Okay. Because, you know, a, a, ch a child's play film, you know, to someone who maybe isn't a horror fan mm -hmm. can seem a tad ridiculous. Yes. But, but if you buy into the ridiculousness of it, then you can still enjoy the movie. And that's what happens. You sit, you, you can be in a room with a group of people 
who are enjoying a film for what it is, not for what it isn't. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. That's 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 a good way of putting it. And uh, also speaking about the ridiculous, which is uh, which is something I really I think I think also our film has its share of ridiculous moments, <laughs> which I think need to be appreciated in order to you know there's the saying of that in order to reach the sublime you 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 need to be willing to also let uh, let the ridiculous take place you know yeah, so yeah. so they are sort of interconnected the one serves as a gateway to the other and uh, i think uh, we were definitely going for that so i i can i can really i i have i sympathize with mark Kermode's notion <laughs> well with that in mind then what what would uh, what from what Without giving too much away, maybe just drop some hints, sort mm -hmm. of thing. What what can the uh, Frightfest audience expect that you'd be excited to see their reaction to it? Yeah, well, I'm, I I I always <laughs> that's the very German uh, thing about me. I'm not, you know, uh, I'm always very uh, trying to balance things out and to to sort of. Uh, Keep expectations at a realistic uh, <laughs> at a realistic uh, level. No, because I think it's not. It's 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 not. I mean, it, it's using. It, it is. It is. It is a horror film or thriller in in shape and in format and structure. Mm. But I'm not sure if it's a film that actually is supposed to scare you. If I'm. If you know what I mean. Mm. So I think. Uh, uh, but I think in order to appreciate it, it's very. It's very good to to know your genre and to know to know your horror films but i think it's more i i want the film more to have a sort of uh exhilarating effect you know on the audience it's something that you can be gleeful to watch that you can sort of you can sort of gleefully uh sort of uh how do you say uh uh oh like a descent into madness or something like a descent into a place where where even the most ridiculous things are possible or where some sort of liberation through annihilation is possible if that makes sense you know so so i'm looking more for a sort of um transgressive um effect than 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 to actually scare the audience in a classical horror film mode. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. I mean, if you if you're setting up an antagonist who's a man in a dress with a with a samurai sword, you're yeah. already sort of you're not playing by the normal rules, are you? So I think that's yeah, I think the right, idea right. of transgression as much as horror. <laughs> and horror is a yeah. transgressive media anyway, isn't it? If if we're if yes, we're exactly. Ourselves. But there, yes, there are always. So I I always feel I always feel sort of um, I don't want to. I, I like to call it a horror film, but when we get to talk about my favorite British horror film, for example, mm. I think we, we can we, 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 you, you will realize um, uh, that that my perception of horror is very broad, you know. So so I, I, I can I, I also love horror films that, that that don't scare me a bit, but that have horrific subject matter or that are transgressive or whatever, you know. So it's a it's a very um, to me, it's a very a very open field, and sometimes, especially in Germany, you tend to meet a lot of people who have a very very specific notion of what exactly a genre film has to be, and they are very obsessed with rules, with a certain set of rules, and <laughs> that they are very very uh, closely. Um, uh, 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 oh, my words, my words fail me. You know what I mean. I you do know, know what you mean. So, yeah, so, no. I mean, so, look, so, I mean, we've got we've, my, my, my experience. My experience. That's the thing. My experience, I have been to British film festivals before. My experience with the British audience have always been fantastic because I think this is an audience that by default uh, has a, is, is so cultured in those kinds of genres that they know their, uh, how do you say, 
Zwischentöne. That's a nice German word, but I don't have the, well, the, the subtleties. We'll leave, we'll leave it know? there for the, the audience to find out what that means. But I think I think it's a positive thing. But if you look, I mean, if you look yeah. at what's in the rediscovery screens this year, I mean, just as a kind of, I think I think that shows off the kind of uh, the breadth of what you might expect from a from a or, or might expect a British audience or a frightfest audience at that to consume because you've got you've got Nightmare on Elm Street, The Shining, and you've also got Necromantic showing yes exactly. so i saw that i was i was very 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 happy when i saw that so i mean i mean I, necromantic on the one hand is a very very art house horror film more art house than it is horror I, I, I as i remember um obviously shining is a horror film made by someone who wasn't a horror filmmaker of any great <laughs> notoriety at the time when he made it and and his yeah. and the film remains to this day to be a, a very divisive film amongst horror fans there's some hate mm -hmm. it and say it's not a horror film and others say it's you know one of the greatest horror films ever made i think it's one of the scariest films i've seen so me too, I, I, me too. I don't get this uh, this idea that it's not a horror film i, I really yeah. don't know what people are seeing when they say that but look let's um, let's just remind the audience yeah. when they can see your film so the samurai yes. is showing on sunday the 24th of august and it's showing at the arrow video screen on at 8 30 p.m it's showing on the film four screen at 11 p.m and it's showing at the Horror Channel screen at 6.20pm. So there's plenty of chances for those that haven't bought festival passes to go and see it on a single view. Now, they should. They should, they should yeah, see I, it, yes. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, I, can, I can say that. I think it's a very fun film, and I think it's, uh, it's, a, very, uh, it's a very interesting film, and it's, it's likely to, I don't know, to, to give you the, the urge to discuss it or even to ask me some questions, which I would be very, very happy to answer. So, And are you, are you, if you're saying you're going to be there, you're going to be there for a Q&A as well after the film? Yeah, sure, sure. I, ho I, I hope so. I mean, I hope people will have questions. I would love to answer them. And they're the best, they're the best horror films in my mind, the ones that raise questions. Yeah. Now, you've already, you've already hinted at where this, where, this, uh, where this podcast may end. Um, as it's Britflix... Um, mm -hmm. And Britflix allows me a bit more freedom during Fright Fest to cover non-British films because I'm covering a big British festival. But um, mm -hmm. I always like to get the people on the podcast to recommend for me a British horror film. Now, obviously, you being you being a German writer director, that would seem a bit unfair to sort of nail you down and say you know what. Usually, I ask you know one that deserves a bit more kudos. Yeah. But I think what would be more interesting to understand is a film that you a British horror film that you like. That you don't think enough Germans would 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 have got wind of and should really yes watch. exactly because because I think because for, this is a film that has has plenty of kudos in the UK I think whenever I bring it up people people just uh, love to talk about it um, but in Germany it's it's kind of uh, not well known and it's very it's very it's 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 sort of I think it's considered a bit too weird maybe to okay. to really cross over. Uh, and I think people know more of the of the infamous remake than they know about the original, um, which is of course the Wicker Man by Robin oh, Hardy. Okay. Um, and yeah, as, as I said, it's it's quite obvious actually. I think for British, but uh, but for me, when when I saw it and I hadn't heard, I saw it in my first year at film school actually, and I hadn't heard about it before at all, um, and it was a revelation for me. And because this is this is a horror film that uh, that is very this is a very weird film, you know. Yes, uh, it, it's a it's a musical basically. Uh, you, you have all these very nice folk songs, and you have a bad guy, which is this whole village community, that isn't. I mean, 
there is a horrific act at the end, but but in a way you almost feel like you're in on the joke with them on Sergeant Howie, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So there's definitely some sort of weird shift of perspective going on all the time, and uh, and and I just love that how 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 that sort of counterculture, uh, sexual liberation sort of stuff uh, is 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 used as a boogeyman, like like. Yeah, like a, for, for for this very uptight Puritan guy coming there trying to trying to uh, to find the missing girl. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, something I hope about that whole blend uh, just just sort of uh, gave me a whole new uh, perspective on what a horror film could be or what a film of that type of genre could be and could achieve. Um, and I think that the films, the genre films that are successful in, did you hear that? Yeah. Did you hear that bing? I, I don't know what that was. Okay, um, the the films that the genre films that tend to be successful in Germany, I think, tend to be more of a very, like, of a more classical, of a more more like, um, ah, my words family, um, tend to be more normal, more of the usual kind, you know. So these sorts of this sort of embracing of the weird. Uh, Mixed mixtures of of tones and and of and of maybe even of genres uh, is not so popular here, and I think it's something that that I very much love. Like guess. for example, also it's not it's not a British film, but but in the late nineties when the when the films of Takashi Miike came to the German cinemas, like Audition or Dead or Alive, the way they took like uh, like like a horror film in audition or like a yakuza flick uh, in, in dead or alive and made it something completely else by transgressing the boundaries of the genres uh, that that was very uh, also very eye-opening and to me the wicker man does something like that as well i think i think you would find i mean the the, the idea that um audition is something that's embraced by everybody outside of genre fans and even and i think again i think it would be divisive even among genre fans a film like audition I think it's it's ambitious, and, and and I remember seeing it at, funny enough, at Fright Fest. God, when was that? Two. When was that film? Two thousand nine, was it? Or is it audition? Yeah, when's that? No, it, it was it was nineteen ninety nine. It was nineteen. Oh no, so I must have seen it in two thousand. Goodness gracious, that time's flown. Yeah, so I must have seen it at Fright Fest in two thousand at the first, which will be the first Fright Fest as well, I guess. Um, God, time has flown. <laughs> um. Well, look, that's, I mean, I, I was um, I was thinking there when you were talking about Wicker Man, the other thing that, that always gets me about the Wicker Man is the horror of a true believer, mm -hmm. and certainly the finale, realising yeah. that God's not with you in that moment. Yeah, sure, really and, that, that, and that, he's, that, he's only, that he's only the perfect sacrifice to begin with because he is such a perfect believer. Mm. You know, that, that, that he has been tempted the whole time to sort of stray from his path, which would have saved his life. Uh, and and I, I I sort of love the irony about that, that him uh, not being able to sort of let go of his strict beliefs that in the end don't help him in any way uh, get him to become this sort of sacrifice. I it's it's a very very nice very layered film. I really love it. Indeed. Well, look, I appreciate your time on the podcast, and I look forward to seeing the samurai at, mm -hmm. uh, at Fright Fest, and hopefully I'll get a chance to say hello to yourself. Yeah, would love to. Okay. Indeed. Well, we, uh, just one last thing. Um, there's no official release date yet, but we reckon it's going to be in the autumn time sometime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so sometime in autumn, I think. It's it's going to be released by Peccadillo Pictures. Okay. Uh, and 
I think it's going to be a theatrical release, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, sometime around October or something. But and they will follow that. you or the film on Twitter or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Can what? people follow you or the movie on Twitter anyway? I'm, I'm not. I'm not so so good with with all the new media kind of stuff. I mean, there's a Facebook page called Their Samurai, which I have been told is very hard to find because there's so many samurai pages all <laughs> over uh, Facebook. But uh, that's one you could like, and I try to update it every so often with some sort of uh, info, reviews, tidbits. So that's something you could do. Okay, well, I'll put a link in with the details that go alongside the podcast. It's 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 Dare Samurai, D-E-R Samurai uh, on Facebook. Hopefully you will find it. I'm sure I will. I'm sure I will. Look, well, thank you very much, sir. Yeah, thank you. And looking forward to London. This is a Fright Fest 2014 special of... The Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.